Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi and Mississippi, for that matter, such a great place to live work and play. I've got a great great guest today, but hang tight one second and let me kind of set it up just a little bit. You know, we talk a lot about millennials here on uh, Super Talk uh, and, uh, and certainly on Coastview as well. This whole notion of brain drain and the fact that we, when you look at the data, and I won't, I won't start you know, squealing all the data to you because there's a lot of data to look at, but the reality is that we're not doing well. We're not doing well. Too many of our young people have to leave Mississippi in order to achieve their careers. And as, uh, as John Harrison pointed out in an interview he did with, with the uh, Sun-Herald, and as he has talked about numerous times on this show. When you think about game-changing uh, industry or employers or even, uh, or, you know, well, well, industries, so segments, there haven't really been any new game-changing um, uh, industries or businesses that have hit here since 1992 when, when gaming came here. This is for coastal Mississippi. Uh, sort of, sort of true for the state of Mississippi. There, are, there, we've had big, big challenges. And if you look at the numbers, the coast has done slightly better than the rest of the state. But the truth is, the state is not doing well. I mean, in one particular period through 2017, we were doing the worst in in um, in the United States, right behind Vermont. Vermont. But this notion that that young people are leaving—that's why we talk a lot about on Coastview about building the kind of places. Where they want to, where young people want to live, um, that's an extremely important part of the conversation. The demographic, incidentally, is those born between 1981 and uh, 19, uh, excuse me, 1981 and 1996, and uh, and so the numbers aren't good. Brain drain is a major problem in this state. We talk about it all the time, but unfortunately, the numbers don't move. They just don't move. So what I've tried to do is keep this sort of front and center, and I was really pleased recently to see uh, State Auditor Shad White, who's going to be joining me now. He's the only statewide elected official who is actually a millennial, and uh, and he's put together a program that's going to sort of make his mark on this conversation. We'll come to his specific program having to do with the State Auditor's Office, but first we'll just kind of talk about the challenge, the problem, what maybe some of the cures might be, and so on. But but anyway, welcome back to uh, Coast View, Shad. Yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me. It's good to see you. Hey, listen, before we get into that, um, we're pre-recording this. So by the time we get to where this airs on Tuesday, some things might have changed as it relates to the state income tax. So the t- eliminating the state income tax debate. But I want to share something with you that uh, I shared on Paul Gallo's show. I just want to get your feeling about it. I'm not trying to understand sort of where you are in the weeds of all these negotiations, because the reality is that a conversation could have happened just a few minutes ago that would have changed how this conversation would go. I want to look at it very high level. What I said on Paul's uh, show, and uh, I had the pleasure of writing Haley Bar- the, the forward to Haley Barber's book on Katrina. So I had a chance to spend a tremendous amount of time with Haley after Hurricane Katrina and see how he operates. Um, what Haley would have done as it relates to the income tax or eliminating the state income tax, he would have brought everybody into the same room and said something like, two years from now, this is something I want to be able to do. Can we agree that this would be good for Mississippi? Because we're not competitive with other states. 
states if we don't eliminate the state income tax. But the financial gyrations for the state are different than Texas and Florida and some of these other states. We have to let's define a process, a roadmap that we can all agree to. Let's don't let's don't get into the content of it yet. Let's just decide on a on a roadmap, and then let's decide what data we're going to use to do this evaluation. And then um, if we disagree with how to get there, that's fine. But let's get together and at least so we can be on a similar roadmap. That didn't happen in this state. Uh, the lieutenant governor was on one roadmap. The the speaker was on another. I'm not exactly sure where the governor was on this. I just don't know. I'm not being critical. I don't know. But you know, the governor is a numbers guy. Here you have the lieutenant governor is a, is a is a former tax lawyer and a good one at that. And of course, the 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 speaker is doggedly determined to to eliminate the income tax. Um, you know, do you think that they would have developed a process and maybe agreed on the data points going into this conversation? We'd be in a different place today. You know, it, it reminds me of um, one of my former bosses, Alan Nunley, who uh, used to be a member of Congress before he passed away. Before that, he was a state senator who was chairman of appropriations in the state Senate. And uh, I worked for him on his first congressional race. And he'd, he'd tell me war stories about negotiating budgets in the state legislature. And uh, one of the stories he always told was back when he was the Republican chair of appropriations on the Senate side, he was always having to negotiate with uh, a Democratic chair of appropriations on the House side. And uh, a lot of times when they would have disagreements, he would go over there and they would sit down and they would hash through these disagreements because they had planned to meet at a certain time and they would go through the numbers and they would fight about them. And, and ultimately, they would get a budget at the end of it. Uh, but he also told me that sometimes there would be no negotiation to be had. They'd be so mad at one another. Uh, but he still made a point to go over and sit with the House negotiators at the same table in the same room. And sometimes they would just stare at each other in silence for, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, so I guess to 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 speak more generally about state government and, and how it ought to function, you know, I always thought that that approach was, you know, both really common sense and it also led to stuff getting done. Uh, if you set a meeting time and a process and a place and even if you were mad at one another you were still talking that's a good way to keep the ball moving forward i frankly just as state auditor don't know what kind of conversations the governor and the lieutenant governor and the speaker have had how often they meet or anything like that but uh, i am hopeful that something will get done you know we're we're sort of at the end of the legislative session now four or five days away so uh, there's nothing like a good a good deadline to to trigger some of those conversations and, and get something done but yet you know to your point i think that that Alan Nunnally, old model of constantly talking to one another, setting up a process. That's never a bad thing. Where do you stand on, I mean, you see the, the, the if we could figure out how to do it, the benefits of eliminating the state income tax and how it could make Mississippi more competitive. But the gyration, man, as usual, the success is always going to be in the details, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, I think that uh, anytime you're designing any kind of new policy, you've got to get into the weeds, especially when it involves money and numbers. Uh, and so that that's definitely true in this case, too. I'll just tell you, as a general matter, I'm I'm not in the weeds on what the new revenue numbers are going to show and, and how we would balance out a cut uh, versus those revenue numbers over time. But I can tell you this, just as state auditor, because this part is in my wheelhouse, uh, I can tell you 
there's a ton of savings to be had in state government uh, in just about every single agency. We see that over and over again. So, you know, when, when folks tell me, and usually this is coming from the far left, to be honest, when folks say, oh, we don't need to do any tax cut at all, period, because we can't afford it. Those folks are just wrong. They're just wrong. I mean, our revenue is up. Uh, and also, we do audits every single month, every single year that, that uh, disclose waste that could be eliminated. So, you know, this is, I think, an important conversation to have. Yes, you absolutely got to get into the weeds. And, and here at the end of the legislative session, maybe there's still an agreement to be had. I guess, I guess we'll see soon. Well, you know what? It's uh, I've had some some really cool conversations recently about this notion of complacency, and you know I do think one of the biggest challenges we face in the state, certainly we face it here in coastal Mississippi, is that we've been hit by so many disasters. So yeah. oftentimes, this is the, sort of the point I made with Ashley Edwards when we talked about the need to raise the bar and how difficult it is because what we, you get through the most recent disaster. Yeah. And it's natural to want to take a deep breath to say we've recovered from this. And it's hard. It's hard within the guise of, you know, post hurricanes or oil spills or the pandemic or an algae bloom. It's hard to keep your eye on a strategic ball during those times. So we've had in some respects, we've had sort of a, a of a double whammy here in coastal Mississippi trying to stay focused. But we've had a lot of success. I mean, and the beauty is we've got a lot of young people, people like Joy Cloyd, who's investing heavily in this community, people like Jordan Nico, who literally the reason Jordan Nico is investing so much on uh, outside of re- restaurants into housing now and mixed use, et cetera, is that he, he says that he's focused on finding the things that are missing in the state that can keep people from having to leave. But you've got this this group of young entrepreneurs that are working so hard to try to make their impact that are not going to let complacency be the thing that drives them. They're they're very focused on trying to overcome uh, you know the the challenges that we face. The, tr- the reality is we have come a long way, and the, and coast is an economic engine for the state. But if we get complacent. Uh, one thing is for sure, and you know this, our competitors are doubling down big time. It's one yeah. of the reasons we continue to lose our population, and we can't be complacent about that. And for all the good acts that have been taken up to this point, they haven't worked. So what's your current thinking about not only the loss in population, but specifically the loss, uh, uh, the, what it means to our future when we have so much brain drain? It's a really good question, something I dedicate a ton of time to. Ton of time thinking through. You know, I I think that you're absolutely right. I see this new generation of, of leaders coming along in the private sector and in the public sector who are just simply not content to watch the same sorts of problems sit unsolved. Uh, and so I, I know Jordan and, and Joe both, and they're both doing great work. I think that um, you can see it at the state level too. When you see a problem that's been sitting or getting worse for the last 20, 25 years, and, and we're not making progress on it, it's time for a fresh jolt of energy. And maybe that jolt of energy can get us over the hump and, and can help solve. I, I agree. I, you, have, you have young entrepreneurs that are yep. becoming leaders in this conversation. And when we come back, we'll continue that part of the conversation. When we come back with State Auditor Shad White. See you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. So if you go back and listen to the conversation I had with Ashley Edwards, president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council, what you will hear is that it's really important for us to stay focused on some really key metrics of success for our community. For example, average household income in coastal Mississippi uh, has declined over the years. That's not good. We reached peak employment before Hurricane Katrina. We're not back there since then. Now, some of this is technological changes that have happened in business and industry. Some of this is brain drain. Some of this is simply the reality that, uh, as John Harrison pointed out, uh, we haven't had any real big game-changing economic development since uh, since casinos came here in 1992. And it's, you know, it's, it's not anyone's fault. It's just the reality of the situation. And the fact is, if we don't stay focused on it, if we if we get complacent around sort of where we are now, uh, then we're not we're not going to not only we're not going to fix it, but we're we're going to lose out to competitors. And we, have, frankly, I'm going to tell you, we've got some bloodthirsty competitors out there trying to take employees from us and trying to take industry and business from us. We better we got to get on our game on this. And when we went to break, we're with uh, Shad White, the state auditor. We were talking about this young group of of uh, entrepreneurs that are that are really beginning to contribute. They're putting their money and their investment where their mouth is. Uh, we can't have enough of them, though, can we, Chad? I think that's right. And, and you can see it in the data when you start thinking about brain drain and, and how bad it is here. So if you just compare Mississippi to every other state, we're one of three states in the entire country that lost population over the course of the last 10 years. And if you dig into uh, who we're losing, we're losing millennials. So again, that's folks born from 1981 to 1996 by by at least one definition, the Pew Center on the state's definition. We've lost about 7% of that cohort over the last 10 years. And I think among that group, we're losing skilled workers, we're losing college educated folks. Uh, that's a huge challenge to the future of the state because those are our future entrepreneurs. Those are the people that need to be here uh, so that a business can expand. They need to be here so that a business from another state will look at Mississippi and say, hey, there's a great labor force there. I'm going to go there. Uh, those are the future leaders of our communities. Uh, I'll tell you, Ricky, I talk to, I probably talk to hundreds of business leaders every single year. And the number one thing, the number one problem that I hear over and over and over again, and it doesn't matter what industry is, I've got enough work to do. In fact, I could expand my business, but I cannot find the people in Mississippi to help me do it. That's a huge issue, and we've got to tackle that issue. If, uh, and I think we've got to tackle it in the next 10 to 15 years, or we're going to be in real trouble because our competitor states, Louisiana, Alabama, Tennessee, now even Arkansas, who also historically has had a depopulation problem, those competitor states have figured out how to solve this problem to a greater degree than we have. And we got to start putting ideas on the table, start putting initiatives on the table to, to fix this because it's a problem that's uh, not going away unless we address it. It is, it is very significant. I and mean, the pandemic, and we've talked a lot about that over the last couple of years. You and I even talked about it the last time we got together. But yeah. the pandemic has changed in some ways, you know, the, the employee employee levels at companies may never be back up to where they were prior to the pandemic because they've learned to be more efficient. They've learned to use technology in a different way. 
Um, they, you know, this notion of having sort of a headquarters where everybody goes into the headquarters. Now, you know, companies have repeatedly continue to make announcements that they're going to not have that model going forward. It's going to be quasi. People will come into the office from time to time for important meetings, but they're going to be working regionally. Uh, travel's different. I mean, every aspect is different. So I would say that the pandemic, as you pointed out, the pandemic has made it had, we had this problem before, and I say this all the time, that, that, that disasters speed up trends that were in place prior to the disaster. And we saw it after Hurricane Katrina in so many different sectors. But the pandemic did that. That You had this trend in Mississippi that was already there. It was already a challenge. It was already something we should be focusing on. And all the pandemic did is speed it up. It just sped it up. Made it, made it the clarion call to be focused on this in very significant ways is more so today than ever. Is that the way you see it, too? I do. And and. Speaking about the the pandemic, absolutely yes, it, it fundamentally changed the way business is going to be done. But but you also have to remember there are some businesses that uh, are not going to change anytime soon. The trucking business is a great example. I talked yeah. to a guy who owns a trucking company yesterday. I said, "What's the biggest problem you face right now?" He said, "I need five new truckers tomorrow, and I can't find them." Uh, you know, the pandemic, if anything, has increased the need for truckers because you have so many people ordering goods from their home, uh, and so there's a ton of new transportation and logistical activities that, that got to take place. And this guy's got to hire folks, and he can't find them here. So, yeah, I think that that all those changes that you see in the economy have added up to uh, this moment and this moment requires us to figure out how to keep good, talented people here in the state of Mississippi. Uh, and, and if we don't, we're going to be in trouble in the long run. I, I think that starting the conversation now is good. But, you know, in the state auditor's office, we were having trouble recruiting new auditors to come and work for us. They were graduating from Mississippi universities and going to Dallas and Atlanta and Nashville. So we had to stop talking about it this past year and, and actually put into place a program to get at the problem. Because if we didn't act, we were going to look up and, and our workforce here in the auditor's office was going to be depleted and we wouldn't be able to do the work that the, the taxpayers ask us to do. So t tell tell us more about the details of your program. Because sure. I'm impressed that you know you you had to do something that had at least the opportunity for some sustainability, not only to help you, but also helps keep some people in the state. Tell tell me some more more about the details. Sure. So just to stay alive as an agency, we have to continually recruit new auditors to come in here. And and when I had when I took over, uh, I started looking at our rate of bringing in brand new fresh auditors to train uh, fresh off of their undergrad accountancy degree or their master's in accountancy. And we just weren't doing particularly well, to be honest. So what we did is we used an old statute that had previously been passed and, and set up a program around it. And the idea of the program is if you are an accounting student at a Mississippi university, and you finished about a couple years of coursework in accounting and you've got a good GPA, we will pay for the rest of your undergrad in accounting or your master's degree in accountancy. And in exchange, you agree to come work for the Mississippi Office of the State Auditor for at least two years. And so we, we put out feelers to see if that would be something that students would be interested in. Just upon putting out some feelers, we immediately got one student, talented young Millsap student, to sign up. We then formally launched the program about a month later. We branded it the Stay in the SIP program. So if, if anybody's curious about uh, this program and the details, they can go to www.stayinthesip.com uh, for uh, 
for Ricky and your generation, the SIP means Mississippi. My mom had to ask me, what does the SIP mean? I said, that's Mississippi. Don't worry about it. Uh, but but that's the that website's got the details. After launching the website and after announcing the program, we had uh, about 18 folks, 18 qualified folks immediately call and start to submit applications. We got a ton more calls than that, but just whittling it down to the people who actually were eligible and qualified got 18 folks really in the first couple of weeks. So we're really excited about what this means. We're not going to hire, you know, 50 new people straight, straight out of school in the auditor's office, but we are going to hire five, six each year to bring in and, and get them in our pipeline of talent. My hope is that if we can prove this works in the auditor's office, that this will be a template for other private organizations, private entities, private corporations, uh, public entities to use to keep talent here in the state of Mississippi. I think it will be, uh, Shad. You know, I, when, when I was a CEO, some of the highest costs we had was recruitment and training. I mean, you you know, you bring what it took to bring somebody on, what it took to get them up to speed, and then if they left, the churn of that and bringing somebody else in and with yep. a large organization, if you have a lot of that going on, it could be could be incredibly detrimental. The thought of having somebody be able to come in and, and sort of marry to your organization for a couple of years, and hey, by the time they come into your organization for a couple of years, it's going to open their eyes about other opportunities. You know, they may stay with the state auditor's office, they may stay in Mississippi and work with some of the companies that they've, you know, gotten in touch with while yep. they're here. You're yep. buying a little bit of time for them to think more about why I might want to stay in Mississippi. Give them a chance to mature a little bit and and you know have a different set of eyes on the situation two years from now. I think it's a it's a great way to look at it. I think what you said is exactly right. A lot of times you talk to 21 or 22 year olds. I think about myself, you know, more than a decade ago as a 22 year old, uh, moving to a big city seemed exciting and interesting. If I had had a really good opportunity here in Mississippi and I'd stayed here for two or three years, you know, you start to build roots here. You start a family here. Your priorities start to change a little bit where you think, you know, maybe I don't want to commute an hour and a half every day if I lived in Atlanta. Or maybe I want to afford a nice house here in Mississippi uh, that I could never afford in New York or D.C. or somewhere else. So I think if we get a hook in people and we get them to see how great Mississippi can be, uh, what a great life you can lead here, that's really the first step. Step to keeping them here. Uh, and two, I think that over time, if we can prove that this works, you'll see other people debate about what other professions should we expand this to? Right after we announced it, there was somebody on Twitter who said, this is exactly the thing we need. And now let's do computer science majors. And I'm all for that. I think it's a great yeah. idea because computer science majors, a great example. Those are folks in the, in the post-COVID era can get a job just about anywhere, can certainly right. get a job in Mississippi. But even if they can't, those are the kinds of folks who can create their own job and work from anywhere. So we've got to start thinking creatively about how to get people to stay here, how to get people kind of over that hump of, man, let's get stars in our eyes about how great Nashville is or Dallas is or Atlanta is and let them see the practical reality of how great living in Mississippi is. And and I think if we can make that sales pitch and, and get them over that initial hump, we'll end up attacking this problem in a way that is very, very healthy and, and productive. Well, I appreciate your innovation on this. I appreciate your passion on it. And we'll we'll circle back and see how it all sure. came together for you. Sure. Uh, it's been Shad White, State Auditor of the State of Mississippi. It's been a pleasure, Shad. Thank you, my friends. Good to see you. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. See you after this break.
listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.